Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, we are continuing to enjoy a beautiful spring. Yeah, it's been incredible weather. It really has. It's been one of the the nicest springs that I remember. You know, the weather has been like mid-70s like every day for weeks. Now, pretty pretty like. low humidity as well, just in general. Really uh, has, really has. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been great. We had a great Masters, and we had, um, you know, the Heritage here a couple weeks ago. I went down for that on Saturday um, with my son-in-law and, and my daughter, Abby, and we had a great day. It's another beautiful day down there. Got to see Jordan Spieth, you know, oh. finally win after, I don't know, he's had like, Three or four years of, wow. of drought of mm-hmm. winning, and uh, and and we got the uh, NFL draft coming up this week. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's already underway mm-hmm. here. That's right. Um, when you're listening to this, but it'll um, wrap up tomorrow on a Saturday. On that Saturday, is. that's right. Yeah, I don't know if Carolina has any any picks. In there. You know, I don't know what Clemson has either. Yeah. You know, there's probably you know some that would time you listen to this have already been sure, picked, but. Sure. Um, but still, I know the Jacksonville Jaguars have first pick and again, first round draft second. again, even though they got Trevor Lawrence last year. So hopefully yeah. they got a receiver or something to help him out because he needs yeah. he needs some help there. That's They're right. still in last place. So anyway, that's interesting. Speaking of interesting, though, we have a couple interesting topics here. We're going to talk about marriage and retirement um, because you know, I mean, retirement is one of those times where you you kind of think of it as this blissful time or where you're carefree. But it can bring some stresses into a marriage mm. because things do change, right? right? I mean, your routine changes. And if you're not on the same page with that, um, you can have a surprisingly tenseful start to your stressful start to your retirement. So we want to talk about what to look for and how to avoid that. Yeah, that's good. And this other article that we have is uh, from the Ramsey Network, and it's talking about car payments. And I'm sure you can guess what uh, the view of car payments are from the Ramsey and from us. But uh, really trying to give encouragement of of what it does it look like to own a car without having a car payment. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important topic. So uh, that's a great one to revisit right now. So uh, speaking of which, um, I am Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestor Pro with over 27 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm a, also a certified financial planner and, and I'm an advisor here at the firm. And we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Um, we have our podcast up every Friday morning. Um, and you can also go check us out on our website where you can listen to the show through moneymd.net or you can just check us out there in general on the uh, on our website at um, investrya.com. And you can see all of our past shows there. They're listed by topics, so you can kind of sort through the topics. I mean, we have hundreds of shows because we've been doing this for over 10 years um so a lot of information out there on the website and plus there's financial calculators there's um kind of a retirement plan projector there Mm -hmm. that you can get a good snapshot of what retirement looks like um and you can link to us there and send us your questions we'd love to hear from you and we'll talk about those right here on the show well matthew we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week and that is um you know, the tech market has plunged since its peak back in November. And most people don't realize this because it's kind of quietly happened behind the mm-hmm. scenes. But Netflix Netflix, and Facebook 
have been hit particularly hard. Netflix is down nearly 68% um, since the NASDAQ reached its record on uh, November 19th, and Facebook has lost over 45% of its value since then. It's down more than 50% from its record two months earlier. So, yeah, techs have been hit particularly hard. Yeah, and that's two of the FANG stocks, right? I mean, that's two exactly. of those big, robust names that people had this this high view constantly of, and they're down so much. It's incredible. Yeah, and it just goes to prove why you can't chase these high-flying stocks, you know, or even one asset class for that matter. Um, because, I mean, eventually, you know, everything kind of comes back into play, and, and, and these high-flying stocks do, right. do eventually come back, um, kind of reversion to the mean, if mm -hmm. you will. So uh, you got to stay diversified. That's really the moral of the story here, but very interesting fact of the yeah, week. it is. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is marriage and retirement. Um, yeah, Matthew, unfortunately, I mean, we do see a lot of marriages that sometimes struggle once couples transition into retirement. And this is based on a very recent article from Bottom Line, Inc., um, Sarah uh, Yoga Yogiv, I guess, is the name of that. She's a yeah. doctor in sure. psychology, you know, that wrote this article. But, um, but yeah, I mean, marital satisfaction rates, I mean, they dropped dramatically in the early years of retirement. And, you know, while, you know, conflict and divorce rates rise in retirement, unfortunately. And it isn't just, you know, the, the long-term term, term marriages that have troubles um, that have been troubled, I guess, prior to, to uh, retirement that are prone to these struggles because um, even stable, happy relationships can take a downturn, mm. you know, for the worse during retirement. And, you know, some couples kind of get caught up in this discord. Um, they conclude their marriages have just not maybe weren't as strong as they thought they were or, you know, that their plans and desires might be incompatible, you know, in retirement. But in truth, you know, relationships, they, they problems turn up in retirement sometimes, and they have to do more with the major life changes that are confronting retirees, um, more so than the strength of their marriages. Um, retirement can kind of reshape how people see themselves and how they interact with their spouse so much that the resulting strains often are, you know, comparable to those triggered by maybe the birth of a first couple, you know, or, wow. or building a house or wow, something yeah. like that. that it's a lot really, going on. It's a lot going on, you know, and, and this time often, you know, comes as a surprise to people. Um, but think, I mean, retirement is supposed to be a time when stress of life kind of magically melts away. So, you know, people have to, you know, they question, why are we fighting? You know, mm. why are we having so much trouble at the beginning here of our golden years in retirement? Um, but, you know, the bad news is that retirement can bring these strains, but the good news is these strains can easily be handled with proper planning and thought and discussion. Mm. You know, couples in an approaching retirement, they just have to be aware of the potential relationship changes and challenges that take place and then take some steps to avoid those conflicts. So here are some of the most common sticking points for recent retirees. Yeah, and these are good. Um, the first one is the retirement plans you've made might have to be remade. Uh, one common retirement mistake is to f is failing to have extensive conversations with your spouse about what each of you want from retirement. It is best if you, these conversations start before retirement and continue during retirement, as it may be necessary to review and even to adjust them over time. 
Another common mistake is having these conversations uh, and then assuming that the decisions you reach are how you uh, how your retirement will actually play out, right? We can plan things, but typically just because we're we're humans and we're very fickle in general, they're they're going to change and and so being okay with that is is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe maybe you and your spouse spent years, you know, kind of shaping retirement travel plans and you know, or you'll choose a town that you'll you'll move to in retirement. But then when retirement arrives, um, you know, don't be shocked if one of you decides that something else entirely um, is what they prefer to do in retirement. And, you know, maybe it'll turn out that you and your spouse weren't really on the same page with your retirement plans in the first place. An example to give here is one couple spent years planning, you know, for extensive post-retirement travels that were going to rent an RV and, and drive across Europe. But, you know, when retirement arrived, they found themselves at odds. You know, he thought that the plan was to spend a year or more in Europe, while she thought the plan was to take multiple shorter trips to Europe, mm, okay. you know, return home in between time, spend some time with the grandkids. Right. Obviously, those are huge differences. Um, so the key here is to discuss retirement plans and goals with your spouse in and before you retire, you know, and create plans that are detailed um, so that you really know what each other, each other knows what to expect. And then also agree that any plans formed are just a draft, you know, they're not a firm commitment. You got to be flexible. Um, changes of heart and, and miscommunications are going to be expected. So neither of you um, have been retired before. I mean, this is new to everybody, right? Um, right. This is a, a one-time thing. So you have to, to have kind of a way to know for sure, you know, how you'll feel. You, well, you don't have a way to know for sure how you'll feel and, and what you'll, you know, want when the time comes. So in the end, I mean, it's, it's actually these changes of heart and these miscommunications that tend to strain relationships um, and, you know, and it's the way couples respond to them that strain it. So you have to be flexible is the key. You got to be willing to talk about it, you know, adjust your plans so that each of you are happy and compatible, you know, with, with what you agree to mm. in retirement. That's right. This next one is retirement could change your relationship with money and that could damage your relationship with your spouse. Retirement can alter people's money personalities. Some retirees become more frugal when the paychecks stop worried about outliving their savings, while others become bigger spenders, seeing retirement as a time to enjoy the assets they've worked hard to earn. Any changes uh, to one spouse's money personality can frighten or frustrate the other spouse, potentially leading to feelings of resentment. Um, Tim Keller, which is an interesting quote, he says he's married seven different women. <laughs> Obviously, he's he's married one woman, but he's he's what the point of that kind of joke is is the the woman he's married has changed over time, right? Which I think is a profound and interesting like haha. But you know, people change, people's personalities change, and understanding again that that we're going to change over time, and, and and being gracious in that is is very important. Yeah, I mean, we got to be you know recognize that that we are going to change our spouse is going to change we all get older we all mature we all our priorities change um and what excites us change over time right. as well so um yeah there are going to be some changes i love that quote from tim keller um because you're he's exactly right you know i mean we we do all change and if you've been married a long time you, you look you back at your spouse and you know that that both of you are totally different than right. you were 30 right. years ago um, so, and that's hopefully a good thing, right, you know, so <laughs> exactly. 
So anyway, so what should you do? You know, you should create and adhere to a mutually agreed spending plan in retirement. And, you know, and if you, your spouse never previously needed a, a, a regimented budget, you, you still need a plan in retirement. And so at least have a broad-based plan. You know, keep an eye open for shifts in your money behavior when you retire. And be open to the possibility that that your money personality might have changed. Um, consider changes kind of a normal consequence of retirement, not an eventual uh, or evidence of betrayal, if you will, um, you know, by your spouse. But recognize the importance of sticking with the spending plan. You know, if necessary, I mean, work with the financial planner to create a new spending plan that you both agree to and and recognize that you have to have some give and take there, you know, um, um, with your spouse. I mean, you got to work something out mutually. Right that's agreeable and have some flexibility Um, and be ready for the sun to set on your retirement honeymoon. You know, the first six months or two um, of retirement tends to be a time when retirees kind of enjoy their newfound freedom and they indulge in all the travel and activities that they could, couldn't do while they were working. But this initial honeymoon retirement phase, they call it, it's often followed by this, phase they call the disenchantment phase, Mm. you know, when the appeal of frequent travel, even daily golf, heaven forbid, you know, yeah. What do we do without I can't imagine that daily golf would get old, but they say it does here. I don't know. I haven't experienced that. Uh, Of course, I haven't played daily Daily golf golf. either. But, you know, among other things, though, it all rapidly fades is what they're saying here, Mm. you know, and that transition often creates a tension for retired couples. You know, one one spouse may become disenchanted before the other, kind of leaving both to feel emotionally kind of disconnected and at odds with how to spend their time. So you mm. got to be prepared for that. Yeah, and so so what do you do with this when you enter that disenchantment you know uh, season? See it for what it is. It's a temporary situation that's likely to resolve itself when the second spouse reaches the end of that quote unquote honeymoon phase. And until that happens. Uh, maybe you negotiate a compromise for how you and your spouse spend time together. Uh, continue engaging in some of the previously enjoyed, you know, honeymoon phase activities, but maybe not as much. Maybe not daily golf, Steve. Maybe it's every other day golf. There you know, that, you go. that could be a compromise. Exactly. Uh, try, try volunteering for causes that you both believe in. Uh, you know, having some some direction, some uh, purpose in your retirement, like volunteering, can be uh, again just a, a means of getting out of that disenchantment period. Uh, right when you first retire. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's good. Yeah, and another common sticking point, you know, is is how much time do you spend together? You know, is it, is it too much, not enough? I mean, you know, there's no right answer to these questions and, and plenty of room for hurt feelings. You know, if, you know, a husband maybe imer- imagine that he and his wife would spend every day together in retirement, but his wife has friends and, and interests that, you know, she didn't want to give up, you know, and she planned to take more time with her, her friends, you right. know, and, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, go shopping or, or play bridge or whatever it is. As a result, you know, he could feel rejected and she could feel smothered. So, you know, that can happen to anybody. So what do you do? So when you discuss retirement plans with your spouse, don't focus only on the fun things that you're going to do together. Um, to reduce the odds of misunderstandings and hurt feelings, also discuss the time that you expect to spend apart, you know, with your with your own friends and with the, your own activities. You know, don't let those divergent visions grow into kind of a festering resentment. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this this last one is, is, we'll wrap up the article with this, but, 
you know, thinking through what, what daily activities look like, what, you know, chores around the house. I mean, this is very, very particular, but this is something to think about. Um, you know, by the time a married couple reaches retirement, his, uh, his chores and her chores might be deeply entrenched in, into who they are and what they do, uh, which makes it especially challenging when retirement forces change on thinking through what, what am I going to do to help this household now that I have more time? What does that look like for me to, uh, in a sense, deny myself and, and, and love my spouse well, even if I haven't been doing this since we've been married? What does that look like? Yeah, exactly. Wow. I like the way you talk. You'll make a great husband someday, <laughs> Matthew, someday, no doubt. The ladies out there listening, they're uh, going to hear your attitude and like, wow, I got to get to know this guy. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and he is single, by the way. Uh, I'm actually pretty... dating. I am dating someone. Oh, that's right. He's dating. Not, yeah, it's not married. Not that single. You're right. But anyway. You're right. You're right. Well, okay. So you're, 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 if, you're, if your uh, girlfriend's listening, yeah, she's going to be impressed. Yeah, I mean, well, in many marriages, you know, one partner, I mean, did the majority of the housework, right? You know, mm-hmm. while the other one maybe earned the lion's share of the income. So when these couples retire, the income earning work will disappear, um, you know, while their housework's going to remain. Right. So that obviously is going to create some conflict, you know, if you don't work through this. I mean, any spouse, you know, tends to become frustrated if the division of chores becomes unequal at some point. So... While, you know, former wage earners might not understand, you know, what needs to get done around the house, you know, um, um, the other one, other spouse is certainly going to understand sure. what needs to get around the house. So, so you need to discuss that. So what's reasonable to expect, you know, um, is an even division of work somehow, you know, around the house in retirement. But that doesn't mean that one spouse, spouse gets to assign all the chores, you know, the division of household tasks should be a topic of ongoing discussion and compromise, of course, um, in retirement and before retirement. So if your spouse's housework efforts, you know, cause you frustration, you know, call a dinner out meeting to discuss what your feelings are about that and hear each other's concerns out and then, um, you know, come to a compromise. But retirement's supposed to be a time of transition and it will take some give and take to reach kind of the blissful routine that you envisioned following your career. So give it the time, effort, and planning that it deserves before retirement. And don't let these possible friction points distract Mm. from the wonderful golden years that you deserved and planned for prior to retirement. So um, anyway, good topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, and I can read this. This okay. question um, comes from a client. This is a really good question. Um, very broad, and I'll, I'll let you answer this, Steve. But should I draw down income from my non-qualified annuity, or should I use other sources first? And uh, then what are, the, what are the tax consequences to this? Yeah, that's a great question, um, Matthew. And so the, que- the answer is maybe, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, because you you got to look at the whole situation, right? you got to look at your other income sources, what your tax rate is. Um, in a non-qualified annuity, um, the the earnings in that annuity are going to be taxable, but the basis that you put in it originally, your original investment mm-hmm. is going to be tax-free because that was after-tax money you put in. But when you take money out, um, the, the IRS makes you, makes you take it out in a form called LIFO, which is last in, first out, meaning that the earnings are going to come out first. So what you take out first is going to be taxable. Um, then eventually you'll get down to your basis and that'll be tax free. Mm-hmm. And that's that's true unless you annuitize it where it's prorated over mm-hmm. over your lifetime. So 
Um, so you have to take that in consideration. You know, likely for the first few years, if you're taking income out of it, it's going to be all be taxable. Um, so you need to kind of dovetail that with your other income sources like pensions, Social Security, um, IRA withdrawals, and kind of balance your taxes out over your retirement mm -hmm. years so that you don't get kicked into a higher tax bracket at any of those points. Mm -hmm. So we would suggest that you kind of get with your financial planner or advisor, get some good advice, make sure you look at the whole picture and make sure you're balancing your taxes over a number of years, including, you know, before you take Social Security, after you take Social Security, and before RMDs kick in at age 72, make sure you avoid getting kicked into a higher tax bracket. That's kind of a long answer yeah, to no, say it's, it's complicated. You got to look at the whole picture. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's good. It's good. <laughs> All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is um, car payments, the truth about <laughs> Owning cars. Yeah, and this is from the Ramsey Network. This is really good. And, and again, this is, um, you know, we do feel strongly about this, but there, um, yeah, there's different situations for different folks. But, you know, the, the statement, I'll always have a car payment. Um, you know, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've said that to yourself um, to justify getting that shiny new car. Nobody likes having a car payment, but we like what the car payment can, can provide, which is the car. Um, but a lot of people think that they're just a way of life. They're like filing taxes or doing your laundry. Um, but we want to talk about what is a car payment and how do we actually, what how, what do we know about car payments? Yeah, that's right. So so what is a car payment per se? I think most people know the answer to this. But, you know, let's say you have your eyes on a brand new car and it's one you really want, but you don't have the thousands of dollars lying around to go buy it. Um, so um, you are tens of thousands, you know, right. in today's world. So you, what do you do? You do what most people do. You finance it, right? I mean, so the next thing you know, you're walking into a dealership. You're securing yourself a brand new car and, and a car note. Um, but what's the car note? Well, you know, that's a car payment, right? It's a loan. And um, so here's how it works. You know, when you finance a car, you don't actually own the car. Mm. I mean, because you have a finance company that actually has a has a note on a lien against the car right. um so in essence they they own it in a way you know or you don't own it by yourself they have first dibs on it if if um something happens and you don't you can't pay them back the car note and the way you can find that out if they really own it is stop paying the car payments and, yeah. and see what happens and see, see who what, owns it you that's know, it's, right it's see the, who the, comes the, get your car right yeah right. they'll have the legal right to it that's exactly right that's right so they have a higher order order uh, claim on the car than you do. Um, so um, when you when you do finance the car, I mean you're borrowing money and you're telling the lender that you promise to pay that back um, plus interest over a certain time frame. And so you know the car note is what you pay each month for the loan. Yeah, that's right. And so so how are car payments calculated? It's based on the current price of the car. You know any trade in value from a previous car any cash you put towards you know the down payment the the total amount of the loan you know the price of the car the interest rate of the car the car loan and the number of months it'll take you to pay off the loan so there's a lot of different factors uh, that go into calculating a car payment just a quick example if you bought a $30,000 car and you financed it at 4% and you did not put any money down um, and you financed that over 60 months you'd have over a $500 per month car payment Mm -hmm. um, which is which is close to the the average, um, which I think is like five. It's in the five seventies of average car payment in America. 
um, which is just it's hard. I mean, if you're if you're working, even if you, I mean, especially if you have two car payments, you have two working, you know, you have spouses and they're working, and they have car payments. That's over a thousand a month that's going to a car that's depreciating in value, which is. That is, that is a hard situation for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's when Dave Ramsey says you're driving your retirement. You, that's right, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, the dealership may also try to get you to lease a car, but it's not the same as actually buying a car. The monthly payments may be lower for this lease. That's because you, you only get to drive the car for a certain period of time. Uh, you don't get to keep it at the end. It's basically a glorified rental car uh, that, again, you don't get to keep. Uh, leasing is typically the most expensive way to drive a car, and you should stay clear of it. We won't go into much on leasing, but that's just a small tidbit of, of leasing can be can be very expensive as well. For sure. Yeah, I don't <clears throat> not at all in favor of leasing. Um, but what is the real cost of a car payment? You know, I mean, so let's say you bought a thirty thousand dollar car, and uh, you know, that's a really cheap car in today's world, unfortunately. Um, you know, for a new car. But, you know, let's say after five years, you know. The, the term you've agreed to, 60 months, you'll end up actually paying about 33223 for the car. Um, the, but the real, so that's an extra $3,200 you're paying for this car with with 4% interest. But here's the, the real kicker, though, is, um, you know, the car is going down in value, right? Because a good average car, um, it's going to depreciate 60% within the first five years of ownership. Wow. So, yeah, so by the time you have the car paid off, you know, and the new car smell is gone, um, you've paid $33,000 for a car that's worth maybe $12,000. So that's a big gap, you know. Plus, if your car loses value faster than than what you made payments, then you end up kind of upside down in the car um, so that when you sell it, you know, you owe more than the car is worth. Um, And that's, that's really painful, and that's a mess to deal with. You know, particularly if it gets wrecked or something. So, right. yeah, I mean, you know, we've been conditioned to think that, you know, taking on debt to get the coolest, safest ride is normal. Um, but normal is broken, is what he points out here. And he's absolutely right. I mean, but the good news is there is a better way to do this. You can still have a nice car to drive and do it without all these problems. Yeah, and, and there's different ways, right? I mean, if you're in a, a place to pay cash for a car and you want a, a nicer vehicle, that's okay. But what we're saying is that car payment is it can be very difficult if you have a lot of other goals uh, and you're trying to do that car payment as well. So, uh, you know, an int- another way to you know, besides the car payment is is to use cash. Um, but you don't have to be a millionaire to pay cash for a car. Um, so here are just uh, three quick ways to uh, pay for a car without having a car payment. Right. Yeah. I mean, what we, and this is really what we subscribe to or what we recommend is to, to buy a cheap, good used car and then work your way up, you know, using cash to a better car, right? Right. And do it with all cash um, because your car is going to be used the second you drive it off the lot. So don't think buying a used car is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're driving a used car. Right. Okay. I don't care where you, when you bought it, if it was, even if it was 10 minutes ago, it's now it's a used, used car, yeah. <laughs> okay? So, you know, so, um, yeah, so resist the urge to, to upgrade, you know, your, your, your car outside of your price range. I mean, it's time to get something that actually fits your budget because, you know, if you can write a check for the car on the spot, then, then you, you, if you can't do that, then you can't afford it. You can't really afford it. 
Um, so stick with us here. So if you bought a cheap used car, nothing fancy, just to get around for, say, 10 months or a year, you know, that way you would have something to drive while you save for a better car. Mm. So you start saving up what you would have paid in a car payment, yeah. and you let that build up. You know, and if it was that $550 a month that you just talked about, Matthew, I mean, heck, that'd be that'd be $7,000 over the course of a year you'd have mm -hmm. saved up in cash. That That's could right. be quite an upgrade in a year, right? So you start saving that car payment um, for a better one. And, um, you know, and, and then over time, um, you know, just you, you buy a better car and you, you avoid the debt in doing it. So stop thinking that you deserve that car that comes with the big car payment, um, you know, because that's, that's not the way to do it. And it, it leads to a lot of problems. Yeah. And one of those problems, Steve, just to note on this, and I'll let you finish up at the end, but okay. it's, it's stress and it's thinking through, you know, a lot of people don't, um, they, they discount, well, you know, it's a car payment. It's, it's, you know, 500 bucks, whatever, but it's, it adds stress to your life that it really, um, it's not needed. It's not needed. So like you said, buying a cheaper car, maybe it's a $2,000 car, $3,000 car. Um, and it's not what you want, but it's, it's not, there's no car payment. And then, like you said, saving up that 500 per month. Yeah, in one to two years, you can buy a nicer car and, and over that one to two years, not have stress of, of adding that to your family situation with your budget, uh, with your income, with other situations you have going on. You just remove that uh, from your life. So that is a big uh, reason to not have a car payment is to not have that stress on your life. So yes, you're right. Saving up what you would pay for that car payment and then paying for cash for a car in a, in a year or two is a good way to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So just to summarize, you know, our philosophy is have a car fund that you're saving a car payment into, drive a good used car that, you know, something just gets you around and, and whatever fits your budget. Um, and you drive that till you can afford a, a nicer car, you mm -hmm. know, from your car fund. I mean, let's face it, you're going to buy, you're going to pay for the car, regardless of whether you pay for it up front or whether you make payments and pay for it later mm -hmm. and pay more with interest. Um, so you might as well save the money first, get ahead once. And if you get ahead just once and you keep that car fund going, yeah. you can replace that car every five years with a brand new car. That's good. And you can drive a brand new car. Without car cash, payments. Without car payments right. forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens forever. That's you get good. ahead just once. So all you got to do is have discipline, be patient one time for three, four, five years, drive a used car, start saving that car payment. That's really then good you're seat. always going to have the car fund available to buy a brand new car every five, six, seven years, whenever you need it, because you have the car fund. Mm. So that's kind of the moral of the story here. So um, anyway, all right, well, that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. And I will read that, Matthew, and if you can answer it. So make sure you ask your employer about, um, well, it's not really a question, but sure. th there are healthy incentives out there in your health insurance plan. Um, and some plans offer uh, a cash savings um, or a savings if you, if you simply take an annual test proving you're healthy or you, you take some annual um, healthy measures mm -hmm. in your plan, they'll they'll give you discounts and they'll give you a cash savings for it. Yeah, just a quick story. Um, so I use MediShare personally. And um, if you're okay with putting your weight uh, and height on, on a form and going to CVS and getting them to read your blood pressure, 
Um, I save about 10% per year as quote unquote being, you know, the healthy incentive plan wow. uh, for being within the, the parameters of what they're defining as healthy. So yeah, if you're healthy, if you're active and, and your plan offers this, that is a just a very easy way um, to do that. So yeah, just ask a question to your employer if it's a health employer plan or if you're on, you know, independent plan, just looking into that, you could save, you know, 10 or 15% on your health insurance. Yeah. And that's huge. That adds yeah. up over the years for sure. That's huge. So good, good, um, prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. You can link to us there, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.